You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. The Lockdown Browns podcast brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network. Available on Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, free wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribed or following the Lockdown Browns podcast. Leaving those five-star ratings and written reviews. I am your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself at Lockdown Browns. Always follow back account. DMs are open. Follow about uh, both accounts. Uh, DMs, questions, any way you wish to get in touch with me. You know, as, as much time as you guys spend here, I do always like to repay it in spades. Today's episode, the Under the Lens, as everybody knows, uh, we sit down day after the game with our good buddy John Costco from Pro Football Focus. Put players under the lens, get some player grades, get some thoughts and uh, analysis from John, and we will get to that. This episode is brought to you by the Locked On NFL Sunday Pod. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth? Well, check out the Locked On NFL Sunday Show live every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity cameras, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Roark and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Lockdown Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern. As I said, we are going to sit down with PFF lead analyst John Costco. We are going to go through um, the Browns-Chiefs game yesterday. And I'm just going to start with this, John. If the Browns had lost 33-29 but did not at time Hold leads that they did. You believe Browns fans would feel a lot different about a 33-29 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead with all these new being all these new moving parts on defense? Or is it just doom and gloom? And of course, it's always fire Joe Woods because the fact that the Browns were at one point leading this game as substantially as they were. Uh so People are upset with Joe Woods because they were able to hold down one of the best offenses in the NFL and probably NFL history to 10 points in the first half and basically, I don't know, have the lead for pretty much most of the game. I mean, that Joe Woods did had guys that were starting in a playoff game last year and won a game with them in a pretty dominant fashion. Um, and you're expecting uh, a defense with what I don't know eight eight new starters or whatever it is to be firing on all cylinders week one. And to be honest, they looked pretty dang good uh, for most of the game. And you know, I, I it's hard to it's hard to put, put place blame on either side of the ball. There, uh, I would say it's more on the offense's fault that they weren't able to, to continue scoring in the second half rather than the defense. You know, um, you know, fallen by the wayside in the second half because it's it's almost it's almost impossible to hold that that offense down for an entire game, and it's we've only seen it done once, and that was last year in the Super Bowl. So for whatever reason, everybody thinks that it's possible, but really, if you look at Matt, when a Patrick Mahomes led offense, they they generally I think they've they've scored over twenty five points like every single time except for twice, 
something yeah. like that. And it's, so it's it's a, and the one time when he was in, in the regular season against the Colts when he had a bum ankle and he just was in he was basically just injured. And then the other time was the, the Super Bowl. So I, yeah, that, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the thing for me, and I've been flooded with a lot of, oh, well, you'll make the other players beat you. Not Tyreek Hill, not Travis Kelsey. No! The way to do it is to not have Patrick Mahomes beat you. You can't control that part of it, folks. That is ridiculously how good Patrick Mahomes is. You can, you know, the old Chris Berman line, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. But we're starting on the offensive side of the ball here. And, John, you knew I was a fan. I, I just thought that th- this young man – was going to bring something to this Browns offense that nobody else has. He's got a calling card of just the tremendous speed. And I was a little stunned. I, I think all of us were a little stunned with the amount of reps he got early in the game, the amount of usage, because not so much that, you know, we're talking about a player that drafted top 100 here, but the fact that he didn't do much this summer. He was, you know, on the shelf for a while, only got a, uh, you know, I think he got one drive in the final preseason game with Baker, you know, caught a quick, easy pass. But you saw it, and it was on display early. And, John, your football background, my football background, you don't need someone to tell you someone's 40 time when it is sub 4-3. You see it, and you know instantaneously that this player is a sub 4-3 type of player. Yeah, they started defending the Browns differently with him on the field. Uh, They started actually double-teaming him and playing deeper (laughs) off of him. And there there was a... There was a, I can't remember specifically, I think it was in the, it was in the fourth quarter, but the Browns ran like shorter routes, but they had their deep safety. Like he was bailing out of there and he was 30 yards back when, uh, to Anthony yeah, Williams style, baby. It, I mean, it was legit. It was, I mean, he, they, they recognized that, Hey, this, we can't let this guy get behind us. And they started adjusting for that. So it's a weapon that that speed kills. And if he can, He's not a supernatural catcher of the ball, and if he can develop that and be, and actually, it was just, it was just his birthday a week ago. Yeah, he shares a birthday with my sister. But um, if he can, if he can develop that that a better, just natural catching skills, then he can. I mean, he's he could be a legit threat. I think some of his route running is, you know, he's a little stiff in the hips and stuff. But you, they have a real good purpose for him. They know, they know how to utilize him. Um, get him the ball in, in space and let him burn. And the Chiefs were—they were afraid of of that speed. So they—they—if they can pair that when OBJ comes back with him on the field, I mean, that's just going to really open up this offense. It just—and it, it, this is something—and we talked about it and harped on it with so many guests on the show, and obviously with you, John, where they were playing in such a box last year, which, you know, caused Baker to have to play, you know, almost perfect football. You know, a guy like Anthony Schwartz changes that. Let's get to the offensive line here a little bit. I mean, for most of it, you know, we know all the players. Um, so just some thoughts here on the offensive line and a little bit on Jedrick Wills. Obviously, there's a lot of talk here in year two. Um, uh, if anybody hasn't seen Jedrick Wills listed as day-to-day, I got to tell you, folks, I don't think there's any way Jedrick Wills is going to play this week. It'd be a fool to put him out there against the Houston Texans. Get him right, because the last thing you want is your left tackle dealing with a nagging ankle for an entire season. And then maybe some thoughts on Chris Hubbard, who could possibly be your starting left tackle this week. Yeah, I think the offensive line looked really good. Um, you know, when I think Jedrick looked really good out there. Not really good, but he was good. Um, 
you know, his, his grade was a 72.8, which, and, and he didn't give up anything in pass protection. Um, so that was, you know, he played as, as kind of as you wanted him to, um, Chris Hubbard really struggled though. He had a 49.9 in the game. He was, he was the second lowest graded player on the, on the field, uh, with Andy Yanovic being the lowest graded player. Um, so th- if I think Chris on Hubbard offense. can, yeah, on offense, on offense, I think <laughs> we're, we're, ta- we're talking, we're talking about offense here. We're not, we haven't gone to the defensive side yet. Um, we'll find something there though. Yes, we will. Um, I, I, Hubbard, when he, when he played in spots, you know, you know, replacements for, for injuries and stuff like that last year, he played much better than what he showed in this, on the game, uh, against the chiefs. His grade last year was a 71.9, um, you know, just on 290 snaps, you would hope that he would, he could repeat that type of a performance this year that, that, that didn't show this, you know, in week one against the chiefs, which, you know, part of it is like the, the you know, the offensive line, going up against these this pass rush that the that Chiefs have and it's not as if they're an elite pass rush but they have quality depth there and then you got Chris Jones to deal with and they can they can rotate those guys and be fresh and especially in the, in a, the game that was so hot I, I can I can see it that those guys are gonna get worn out right and you know and I think um you know one of the you know one of the bright spots for the offensive line is like Joel Batonio looked like an absolute monster out there um, you know, he was, he, his grade was a 93.5. I believe that was the highest, uh, highest graded offensive lineman this week in all yes. of the NFL. That's what I saw. Um, and then, you know, Jack Conklin, I know he had the one sack that he gave up, but that was because he was, I don't know if he had a miscommunication with the snap, the snap count or something like that, because he was just way late getting out of his stance. Um, but he was also an absolute mauler in a run game. He had 94.6 in a run game there as well. White Teller, he was going up against Chris, Chris Jones for most of the night and, you're not going to grade well when you're when you're going up against against Chris Jones. He's an that's an elite defensive tackle, and so you hope to just not get beat too many times. His grade was a 62.4, so um, not you know not like at the the caliber that we saw from him last year. But I think there's there's the flashes of him just absolutely you know being that mauler that we know he is. Chris Jones is like the modern day version of Calais Campbell. That is what yeah. Chris Chris J. Yeah, he's in. And they were smart later in the game to say, you know, and we always use this term, find the turd. Well, Chris Hubbard at left tackle, that's the turd. So let's go get an yep. easy one here on Chris Hubbard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so All right. I, think, I think, I think, but yeah, but, I think why Teller is great is not great, but I think he's going to be perfectly fine, you know, the rest of the year. Well, that's one where, you know, somebody draws a short straw every week, you know, you're going to look at a defensive line and there's always, you know, somebody's got, you know, this guy is better than the rest. You know, Wyatt Teller, sadly, this week drew the short straw. The tight end position. And this one is really interesting because David Njoku now in year five and things seem a lot more harmonious between the franchise and between David Njoku and certainly about a possibility of there being a future with number 85. Austin Hooper, again, this was you know similar to Anthony Schwartz. They found a way. They got him involved a lot. I mean, for Hooper, it was the first drive. After that, not so much. But then they realized they have this tremendously sized tight end who runs the equivalent of average NFL wide receivers. And David Njoku was able to get open, make some huge, huge plays, some big, big chunk plays. Two of the Browns, three longest receptions of the day went to David Njoku. And you get to the spot where maybe, you know, if you have to give David more money, 
You might be able to move on from number 81 in Austin Hooper. But David Ajoku had a really, really nice showing yesterday. I think Baker's most beautiful pass of the day was probably the one where he hit David down inside. I guess it was about like the you know, 11, 12-yard line. You know, hit him on a, you know, a corner route or whatever. But some thoughts on David Ajoku's day. And this is a player who, you know, the light went on again because let's not forget David Njoku was a strong player for this team earlier in his career then there was about that 18 to 23 game stretch where there wasn't much from him but certainly looked apart yesterday and still just a pup yeah I mean if if you're if he's gonna play like that um they've got themselves a legitimate rece- you know receiving tight end that's gonna be uh, that teams are gonna fear because I we know what type of athlete he is. I think that's that's clear and obvious. And he, if he can develop those the, the skills that you need to, to, you know, be a consistent threat at that position, he, you know, it, that's obviously great. He had an eighty three point nine overall grade. His, his receiving grade of an eighty eight point five. Uh, you know, one of the best in the in the NFL at the tight end position this week. So he's run blocking, run blocking was a fifty four. So not not great, but Could you're be a little better. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be a little better. I, I would say run blocking on the whole for the Browns was, you know, outside of Batonio and Conklin was, eh. you know, Treader was fine. He was a 75.1 and L, but I, I think, I, I think that the, the chiefs really kind of sold out to try to stop this rushing attack. And they, they, they the Browns had a trouble with them last year in the playoffs and in, in the run game as well. And, you know, I, we, we've already kind of talked about it, the offensive line and stuff like that, but in Joku, I mean, I'm not expecting him to be this, all world run blocker anyways that's not his game that's you know get him out there to be a receiving threat where he's a mismatch in the in the receiving game which, which is what he exactly what he was and um yeah B- baker had two of his big time throws two in, J- in joku um you know one at right at the end of the half where they started the you know the first play of the last drive of the first half where uh you know the out and up and um you know he hit him up up, up the sideline there and that was a great throw and then had the one I think it was in the fourth quarter that led to their last touchdown drive. So, um, yeah, if Njoku can be what we think he is, then it it allow it gives them that flexibility of like, hey, maybe we don't need to be paying Austin Hooper all this type of money uh, in his third year, um, and it just gives them more options. Especially a guy that you've you know homegrown guy, you know exactly what you're going to get out of him um, and what what he can be moving forward. And he is part of this core. David Njoku's been here, you know, through the worst of times and now, you know, through you know, some of the better, better times. And if you really, really need a solid blocking tight end, you know, who maybe doesn't offer much in the receiving game, you can find those guys pretty easy. Um, one of the more under uh, underappreciated positions in the NFL, sadly. We're going to get to more with John here. We're going to flip up to the defensive side of the ball. And for those of you who are on the defense today, there were some really – Really nice performances, and we're going to get to that here. Your latest Locked On Browns, John Costco, PFF lead analyst, joining your host, Jeff Lloyd. Baseball season is in full swing and headed down the September stretch, and you can check all the action at Bet Online. Go to the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB run, the NFL, NCAA football, and of course, all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. 
flipping it up here, John, and yes, they didn't get home nearly as much as people would have hoped. Um, and we got our first glimpse of Miles Garrett in 2021. We got our first glimpse at Jadavian Clowney as a Brown. The Maliks, Malik McDowell's first career snap in the NFL, play blown up. Malik Jackson, pass batted down. But Malik McDowell, and John, this is something we hit on, and I guess it was after the giant preseason game, where it really kind of seemed like this is kind of like, you know, the snowball going down the hill, picking up a lot of momentum. And, you know, we had said when we spoke after that giant game, look, at this point, start him against the Falcons, see what you got. Um, if he can keep his nose clean, he's unlike any other dude in that room. There's just no way around it. He's tall. He's lengthy. He's athletic. All of these things he brings to the table in that defensive tackle room, he is better than everybody. He's the tallest. He's the longest. He's the most athletic. And I would say probably got a little gassed yesterday in the end, and understandably so when you haven't played a <laughs> legitimate football game, and I guess it's almost five calendar years now. But the defensive line, there were a lot of signs. And Malik McDowell, certainly, and we talked about this, where you know there's not many people who are on the athletic level of a Miles Garrett and a Jadavian Clowney. But if you're looking for a defensive tackle who might be on that level, this is your dude. Yeah, absolutely. So his grade for the game was an 83.0. Hasn't played a football game, John, in almost five years. His first taste of NFL football. It's really, it really is incredible. And you're talking about the, like you said, the very first play of the of the game, he he had a tackle for loss, which is is blew it up. Um, you know, his his game was just overall really good. And if you're talking about talking about a defensive line of Malik McDowell, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, Malik Jackson, and then you can rotate in there, Tack McKinley, and uh, it's 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 a it's a handful for opposing offensive lines, and the Browns generated a pressure on 46% of the of Mahomes' dropbacks which is an absurd rate and when the way no, to and imagine beat... this against quarterbacks who aren't nearly as athletic as Patrick Mahomes right it's going to exactly. be you know it's literally going to be parties in the backfield yeah i mean miles My- garrett himself had eight pressures um you know one sack two hits five hurries he he was you know... like we said orlando brown it's great to pay homage to your dad but um being a right tackle in the NFL, that's nothing to sneeze at either. Right. Clowney and Malik Jackson each had four pressures as well. And you're talking about just being able to wreak havoc on a quarterback. And if it's literally any other quarterback in the NFL, it's just they're, they're going to be – when you put a quarterback under that much duress, part of it is Mahomes invites a lot of that pressure himself by holding on to the ball longer and taking deeper dropbacks. Of but, course. But the thing is, like – you you had a, a pass rush game plan against Mahomes that generally, you know, is is a good one. Um, and you just like it, it basically you're not just you're just not going to be able to hold them down for four quarters. And you're able you're there's a reason. I mean, Mahomes is great in this game was a 75.2 passing grade, which is actually the same that Baker had, um, which I mean, to be able to hold Mahomes a grade like that is 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 really kind of saying something. It's just like you talking about, you know, the most talented quarterback in the NFL and who can do things that nobody, nobody can dream about. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, the guy just is able to make plays, but you're talking about this defensive line, like you were like with Malik McDowell, as, as he gets, just gets more comfortable in the games, getting that, that stamina up his conditioning up and just getting 
you know, used to be playing in games again. It's this, this, this defensive line is only going to get better. It's just, as long as it can stay healthy, it's just, it's going to be one of those defensive lines that you can is really trust to get pressure with, you know, just four. And what it looks like to this point is, is, you know, this defensive line has the potential to drive the bus for this offense. I mean, for this defense, you know, and, you know, it should make everybody's lives easier. Granted, the Kansas City Chiefs, it's you know a whole different animal and a player like Patrick Mahomes who can basically throw the ball from his ankles. It doesn't matter what angle you have sometimes. Not everybody can do what Patrick Mahomes can, can do. But I say, John, you got something to say. Go ahead. Yeah, and think about it too. Like even if it's going to be their calling card, like the Browns' secondary wasn't intact. They they they're out. Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison, basically Ronnie Harrison for pretty much the whole game, and so the, and then you're talking about a a, a very first action that uh, Greg Newsom, rookie, had. Um, yep. you're talking about, you're talking about, you know, J- Jeremiah Wusukormo, who, you know, he played 25 snaps. You're talking about a rookie in this first action as well, who played pretty well. Um, I think they were kind of smart though. Like just, that's not oh, the game yeah. for him to like, yeah, this is but look, I, cause we don't want to kill your confidence. You know, we put you out here, you know, we don't even know what the hell they're doing. So we can't even coach you to tell you what they're doing. Um, you know, some of the sets, obviously they go with inside the red zone, things of that nature. So with with Wu, it's kind of let's just be smart here, get you a taste of the action, and maybe start to build your confidence against teams where it's a little bit more simplified, and especially against a team that's not going to trick your eyes, anyways. Like the the Kansas City 100%. Chiefs do so much fluff and stuff that a rookie of, like of his, and this is what he does. He 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 gets he his eyes aren't right yet, and so you want to get him in position. You want to put him in positions where he can doesn't have to get tricked and stuff like that. So you know what's coming at you and you can just play football rather than having to decipher everything that the Chiefs are doing. And then all of a sudden you're just kind of like, crap, what is my assignment again? Oh, there's Travis Kelsey with a catch, right? So uh, it's, 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 a, it's a, I mean, it's a brutal first matchup for this defense. And I really think that they did pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. And since we brought up Jeremiah Usukormo, we'll get to the secondary last. Um the linebacker position. Um, I'm not sure how he graded out, um, but I do believe Anthony Walker. I mean, look, he looked active, and I, I got to be honest, it still took a while to just be like, "Wow, look at number four." Just saying, "Look at number four. It took a while to get used to that. Um, but if he was in range, made tackles. Um, the rest of the linebacker unit. Look, Sione, Sione Taki Taki. We love him. The role is defined. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs is not an opponent where you say, "Oh, Sione Taki Taki should have a nice day." Um, and John, how, how is this still going on? It's look, I, everybody loves the kid, loves his work ethic, everything out of his mouth. Everything is great. Nothing is translated and we are now into year three. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the good. JOK was a 69.5. Um, he had a nice game there. Um, and then the rest of the linebackers were just, I mean, Anthony Walker, 59.6. Um, he's more of a, a, he never graded well when he was in, in, with Indianapolis. Um, and I don't foresee him grading well on this team. He's more of the leader type of calling their defensive play calls and getting the team in the right positions. Right. Right. And I think he's just, he's going to be a better version of a BJ, BJ Goodson. Um, right. So I think, and 
then you, then you talk about Siona Takitaki is basically the same at 57.1, but then the, the problem is, and so like, I'm fine with having a linebackers having a 59 grade because it's, it's, it's not super detrimental, but then you talk about Mac Wilson with a 40.5 and with his coverage grade of a 33.1, that is detrimental to a team. That's an absolute weak link that teams can exploit. And you saw it when Patrick Mahomes had his first touchdown with the rush. Like he, he's just coming out, out there and trying to make a tackle on, on a, an elusive quarterback with not breaking down and everything like that. And uh, that, that is what there's also one where he had Hilaire up high and Hilaire basically found his way out of it. It's like, dude, you got one job, yeah. your job. I mean, even if you get fooled on stuff, at least when you're there tackle, but yeah, no. he's, he's, I mean, we know what he is. I know, I know he started to look good in preseason, but that it's preseason. That's why we say that's why I always just take this We've crap for a game of salt before with him, especially. <laughs> and it, when you talk about, uh, like, like in the game against Atlanta, he actually did look good. Like, he looked like he was a guy that was aggressive and playing behind his shoulder pads and wasn't playing out of control. But that's because it was a vanilla game plan and it was backups for Atlanta. That's why. And no different than anything he wasn't seeing in practice every day. Exactly. So you go up against the Kansas City Chiefs team, like you've got to play smart football, and that's not what he's about. And, you know, I don't I don't want to knock him for not being a smart person. He might be a very intelligent person in in, in real life or whatever. But from a football standpoint, he's he's not doesn't have a high football IQ that can can match up the wits of a Kansas City Chiefs offense. So and, and and probably a lot of many offenses, to be honest, because they're they understand what, he is a weak link out there, and he can they can pick on him. John, there's obviously been uh, you know a lot of you know upgrades or you know new talent brought into the secondary. Greg Newsom, John Johnson the third, Troy Hill. A little thoughts here on the uh, secondary and how they performed yesterday. Yeah, I mean, outside the one play for John Johnson where he you know got gave up the touchdown to Tyree Kill, I thought he played pretty well like he you know he, he broke up some passes he was he made some stops on defense um was generally in a position to you know break up passes or just was you know getting the team in the right positions um but you know the one backbreaking play is kind of i mean that was that was huge that was huge you can't i don't, I don't know what, Which what is it, just, it's just straight backyard football too there's like i mean you don't even know how you coach it or you talk to the player about it because it was 100 backyard it's, football yeah, it's one of those like against this team. It's like it, against any other team in the NFL. Like him doing what he did is probably fine, but against Patrick Mahomes and especially that that receiver Tyree Kill, you cannot let up for a split second because you are gone. And that's what happened. Like he, it's as if he stopped playing just for a split second, thinking this play is over, and then realized, oh crap, it isn't. And by that time, it's over. Um, you're, you're never catching Tyreek at all. in that point, you just have to look up and just tap that ball away. I think Trey Hill played a, you know, it was okay. His, his run defense was, was better than his coverage. He has a 52.9 in, in coverage. Um, but then, you know, you t- Greg Newsom, he, he was and Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward, I thought were, were excellent in this game, both, both in the seventies, um, in coverage. And you know, breaking up some passes, and I thought they were sticky in coverage. They they trusted Greg Newsom to man up Travis Kelsey, and he he held his own when they asked him to do so, which is which is saying something. And I think that's you know when you get 
when you Ronnie Harrison unfortunately was only played five snaps and you know his grade is 29.2 because when you push a coach and get ejected for the game you get a big giant downgrade for that so uh he got a bad grade on uh, for the game because of that but I think if you know if you can get this team if this team can get healthy with Delpit and and then Ronnie Harrison can be out there I mean this this, this I really like the potential of this secondary. We I've, we said it all off season long and everything, and I think I think this the secondary played pretty well, all things considered. Um, you know, I, MJ Stewart actually had had himself a really nice game, I thought, and, and when you know without Ronnie had him in place of Ronnie Harrison. So you know, and um, I think Stewart had. I don't know how this works for you guys, but I think Stewart had two nice plays uh, on balls that necessarily were. I think they were penalties, so they didn't the play didn't essentially count. But MJ Stewart gets around the ball, and you know, a lot of people were shocked that he lasted as long as he did, that he made the final roster. But look, we'll deal with you know some issues. But if you have a final, you if you have an ability to find the ball, that's good. We like that. We'll, we we we'll take it. I mean, it's like a number five hitter in baseball where you're only hitting two thirty, but if you're going to hit thirty seven home runs, we'll take it. He looked way better as a safety than he did at any point last year when he was playing in the slot. Um, he looked much; it looked like a much more natural position for him, which is, which is great, right? Like if that's if they found him a role as that backup safety, as that you know third, fourth, fifth safety, or whatever it's going to be, that's great because I thought he did look good out there. And, and like you, the way just because there's a free play on the play. We, the defense it's not a free play for the defense it's a free play for the offense so we grade it all okay. the same for the defense and he he had the pa- two, he had two pa- big plays on the ball yep okay. yeah and we we grade those appropriately that he, he made plays on the ball so his his grade you know it, it reflects that um where when when it happens like that so Mahomes knows that he has a free play like Mahomes can thread it into like the tightest of windows and it could be picked off you know pick six or whatever but there's no risk in that so it's like He's just trying to hit something. If he's inaccurate with something, we'll have a, he'll have that minor downgrade for just being inaccurate with the ball. But if he's trying to fit it into some ridiculously tight window and it gets broken up or uh, intercepted or whatever, it's no downgrade to to Mahomes because he knows he has the free play. Like there's no risk involved in it. So he's there's a he did that on a, on a couple of occasions. Um, so if you know from an offense perspective it's a free play there's there's no risk but from a defense they have to make the play and he did and he gets graded appropriately for that all right we're going to get some of john's just general game thoughts here we're going to take him out from under the lens and just get some brown's thoughts from mr john costco as we go to our last segment here on your tuesday edition of locked on browns rockauto.com is family-owned business as you all know and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and view their inventory of auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. Delivered directly to your front doorstep. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Again, view everything you need for your car by your vehicle specifications, year, model, engine, etc., etc. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your truck or your car or your Sunday driver, whether it's an old Jeep, old pickup truck. They have you covered. 
when you're there, go to their How Did You Hear About Us box and type in Locked On. So they know the folks over at the Locked On Podcast Network sent you their way. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today, we here at the Locked On Podcast Network want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before which will include your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part is there is no annual contract. So stop waiting around and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Again, that is directtv.com. John, it's look, a game like that, it's difficult because you had it for a little while. You had the opportunity to win it. And the thing about lose, losing a game that you had a shot at winning in a game that you had no business winning to begin with, you know, my prediction was 34-30 Kansas City. They lost 33-29. to But now this puts you in a, a tough task where you can't spit the bit. You can't, you know, blow a tire and lose one of these games that obviously look very winnable as you look at the rest of the Browns 2021 schedule. So that is one thing. And it would have been, surely it would have been nice one to steal one. And, but I will continue to go with week one is not nearly important to the Kansas city chiefs as the possibility of week 21 versus the Kansas city chiefs. And maybe if you beat them now, they're coming for blood in January. So you may be in a better situation there. Um, but all in all, you know, offense, defense, this looked better than the product we saw versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, 30 minutes of it was without Patrick Mahomes last January. And maybe in some aspects, defense, offense, some foot was eased off the gas a little bit, which might be the proper motivation to get in this stretch of winnable games here where you want to know what? Damn it, we left one on the table. And now that it's a whole new regime in the building where there are no, you know, rah-rah coach phrases everybody's kind of on the same page and understanding wow we may have left one on the table certainly gets excited about this next few weeks where you're about to face some teams here who certainly they're not even the caliber of the cleveland browns but they're certainly not the caliber of the kansas city chiefs yeah so it's uh, you know my prediction for the game was like 37 34 uh chiefs i thought they, I, I thought the browns would you know beat the spread i didn't think they'd win the game um, and it's, it's one of those games where, I mean, you're up double digits or up two scores in the fourth quarter. I, in my opinion, when you're up two scores in the fourth quarter, you should never lose that game. And it kind of felt, it did feel and like there was that took, one drive that led to the Gillian where it was like, what in the world? Why are we not giving the ball to Nick? Like, this is why we gave Nick an extension. This is he's our closer. He's our Mariano Rivera. Give him the damn ball. Well, it's 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 part of it is 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 you know that Baker Baker had that sack on the one play, which was was mm-hmm. Jack Conklin not getting out of his stance. Um, and you know they they had success throwing the ball through the rest of the game. And the you know you talk about Nick if you're gonna cram Nick Chubb into the that offensive you know down that defensive line throat I mean he did he did fumble you're you're not expecting him to fumble again 
Um, I'd like I'd like to see it mixed up and you know be a little bit more creative there in, in the end. Um, but you've got to be you've got to be more. I'd say just don't don't take the foot off the gas, right? So for, even from a defensive yep. perspective, it felt like they did that as well. Like you're talking about with with the John Johnson thing, where he just he just let up for a second and that was it. Um, and then you're not gonna and then you give the, you give him a short field with the with the you know. Jamie Gillen dropping the dropping the punt and and stuff like that. It's tough to you've come back from that. Job. And then job. and then it's like it's almost like you've you've taken the wind out of the sails and you've got to get it back going after you just been like, all right, we had. You're just like, oh, we're up nine points. We can breathe for a second, and then it's all of a sudden it's like, nope, you can't because they just scored in five seconds. And then it's like, okay, let's try to get this back. You don't. You go three and out he drops the ball and it's like, all right, now we've really got to try to get this back. So it's to me, it's like, you know, I put that on the coaching staff of like, all right, they, they, the coaching staff, you know, you kind of ultimately falls on Kevin's fancy. They, they let the team breathe for a second and you let them breathe for a second and that's it. Um, so that's kind of my feeling on, on what happened in this game. Cause I, at, at, when you get up nine points in the fourth quarter, there's, you generally should should not be able to lose that game, and especially with the way that you know the Browns are built. They're they're built for a team that's supposed to be able to protect leads like that, and they didn't. Right, so um, I think it gives a motive, proper motivation of like we've really got to iron out the details because it's essentially just being detail oriented and, and executing your assignments, executing the game plan, executing everything, just being able to just to do be able to do to close out a game against an elite team like that. You have to be on top of your execution and they, and they weren't. So maybe, maybe this gives them the proper motivation moving forward. It gives them more fuel to the, you know, the fire for the rest of the season. I think, you know, that their next slate of games is going to be far easier than this one. Um, and you ex- kind of expect them to get to like eight and one almost. Uh, I think that's kind of how, how the season goes, but you know, obviously you got to take it one game at a time. So, you know, I, I think overall Baker had a had a really solid day. I know I don't talk people talk about like how he was trying to throw that ball away. Yeah, he was trying to throw that ball away, but like you've got to if you're going to try to throw that ball away, dirt it. Don't try mm-hmm. to throw that into the, th- the third row of this you know of the stadium or whatever. You've got throw to it throw to, it to the ground. To, throw a chili pepper, a two hopper at somebody's knees. Right, exactly, and, and it's safe. You know, it's it's you live the. Uh, fight another down rather than like risking when you try to throw it away and you've got to have a, that internal clock. He knows that he's got that. He's got that blitz that came after him. He, he feels that in the pocket. So he's leaving the pocket. He knows he's not the fastest guy. So he has to realize, all right, I can get hit from behind at any moment here. And as that, that has to be in his mind that he's got to, to put that, that in the dirt rather than trying to get it to in the air and maybe like, you know, whatever. So I, I, you know, I put, I put that blame on Baker. I think, you know, reading between the lines, Kevin Skvansky did as well. Um, you know, so it, it's, he, he's got to protect the ball. He's got to be better at that, at that point. And that, you know, obviously that was the, the deciding, the final deciding play of the game. But other than that, I thought he played pretty decently well. Um, could have been a little bit more pinpoint on stuff. So that's kind of my thoughts on the game. Yeah, and, and the other thing, though, is, is, you know, Baker also needs to be cognizant of the fact, essentially, gets the Chiefs, that this is a team last year that did not want to give him the ball back. You know, they went with that Chad Henney pass. And so they were going to bliss him because the respect didn't change, obviously, in, in eight months 
the respect was still there. I don't want him to have the ball. So how are we going to disrupt him? We're going to blitz him. We didn't really do it up until this point, so we're going to do it now. Um, he is John Costco, lead analyst from PFF. Uh, we love going under the lens here, obviously, the day after the Browns uh, games, getting John's insight, player grades. I know you guys love these episodes. That's why we continue to do them after all these years. Um, plus, John's always a fantastic guest to have. Make sure you're following at John Costco 3. The show itself, Locked on Browns, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, free everywhere. Make sure you're subscribed or following the podcast. Make sure you're leaving those five-star ratings and written reviews, of course. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll flow through the week. We're going to go six per week because even with COVID still being around, we need to make sure that we can give you the best information on our pregame show uh, headed into the weekend. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.